The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? Christina in studio and Wade and Garrett Beeler in studio. It's going to be epic. We got the, uh, it's going to be the Wild West. We got a bunch of questions and they're good and they're definitely on edge with what's going on with culture. But I want to answer one question really quick about bubble water. And I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to plug that brand, but that water is not good. It's not healthy at all. It has a bunch of garbage in it. So don't drink that stuff. Uh, my question to you, pastors: Is bubble water is bubble water bad? No, no, no absolutely I'm not. Because not. Yeah. I drink so much of it. Yeah, carbon. We have to look up: Is carbonation bad for you? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and like Wade says, even if it is, it is don't, don't tell me. Yeah, don't tell me. Yeah, no, I drink that stuff a lot. I really enjoy <clears throat> that water. I like the one that's like it's it starts with the A. I think it's like three letters. Huh. It's a it's a new one that just came out. That one and bubbly. Those are. No, that one stinks. All right, let's go. We got some good questions here tonight. So, uh, well, I guess we're just going to come in hot, uh, which uh, this first question, it says, why is abortion bad? I, I, I want to say one thing before we open this up. You know, I just saw this, uh, David Harris Jr., he just, he just posted the number. I don't know if you guys seen this, but he posted the numbers of um, the people that get abortions yeah. And uh, for the reasons why. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like nine, high 90s, 90.7 or 93, 93 or 97, somewhere in between there was people that got them for no reason. Mm-hmm. Because the whole excuse that people like to use in this, this topic is, yeah. what if someone gets raped and they have an unwanted kid and then they have to see that kid their whole life from – the face of the rape victim. Mm-hmm. But, dude, that percentage is like under 1%. Yeah, it says it's 0.001%. Gotcha. Yeah. So with that said, that's what the angle that a lot of people like to use for that. But, again, those are the real numbers. And go to David Harris Jr., and he, he posted actually all the numbers that are right Yeah, it's uh, on there. Instagram. But let's go biblically because yeah. that's what we do. Why is abortion Bad. The first thing I could think of off the top of my head is in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That is a life, as you guys probably quote this verse too, um, the Bible says that uh, we are God's masterpiece. It also says that we were knit together in his mother's womb. In our mother's womb, he That's designed right. us with a plan from long ago, a purpose here on planet Earth. And why do we as humans think that we can do God's job and take life? I mean, I think you, the Bible is pretty clear about it. I mean, you can't get around like you shall not murder all the way through the not Old and New Testament. And that's why this, I think, uh, this constant debate has been all through the years. Well, well, when is, like, let's define when life begins. And, like, the Bible is very clear on that also. You just you just quoted Psalm 139 and, and other Jeremiah 1, 5 and, and all those different scriptures. Um but I, I think from from the other thing, like why is it bad? It's like I, all of us, I'm sure, in ministry have dealt on the other end of of the regret of a woman having an abortion, or a or a man have or condoning an abortion, and just how it it just doesn't leave you. You know, I I had a, a friend of mine that I know well, and married for 35 years. Marriage fell apart. Three kids. Um, and no one could get down to the root of why the marriage was falling apart. And obviously there's a ton of sin and a ton of issues, but it came down to that they had an, an abortion their first year of marriage because they didn't want people to think that they got pregnant on like prior to their wedding. Oh my gosh. And the That's wife crazy. did it before the wife did it without the husband knowing. And so she carried this for 35 years still hasn't forgiven herself and so but that that just like makes its inroads to er- other areas of marriage and parenting and and just the the enemy uses it so it's it's murder let's just make that clear but it doesn't just it doesn't just stop you bear that those scars forever of that decision yeah, yeah. man that's crazy no, go ahead yeah no um we've 
my mom has counseled with you know many women over the years and and she's told me several stories of, of women that have got the abortions and then they can't have kids anymore they've done the uh they've done the damage to themselves for that because it's a it's a procedure that invasive procedure that's a like a, a surgery to you know and you guys already know what, what happens with that whole thing without uh getting into it but um yeah so that's that's that whole subject there i think we hit it uh well enough okay next question how can i explain to my 14 year old daughter about god's truth when the world is telling her otherwise so what we're seeing in the world is constant programming. I was just talking to my dad two days ago about where we're at in culture. And I said, Dad, I said, think about before the iPhone came out. It all started with the iPhone, the, the great downloads of, of programming. Because prior to that, we were on pagers and, or like even flip phones. Yep. So we weren't like – our phones were flip phones. Like we were shooting like <clears> – <throat> it was a nightmare to do a text message. Because remember, G9. we had to go through the numbers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's true. But and how much if you're not watching TV and different things, it's only on what you're being exposed to now. Because once the iPhone came out, that was the game changer of being just accessible to just the internet and programming at our fingertips. And we didn't even know back then what these social media giants, the plans that they had, and how they could watch you. They can only download certain things in your folder, or not your folder, but. Uh, What's that movie on Netflix? Uh, I forget the, what it was called. But they, they basically, they could send certain content because they know what you're interested in and withhold certain content yeah. from you. So what I'm saying is the world has an agenda and they're programming and they're basically desensitizing the world. And that's what this, this lady's talking about right now. And it's hitting the youth harder. I mean, because by the time you become an adult, you're already set in your ways. I think Satan's always gone after the kids. Mm. Yep. Always. Yeah. In every culture, you go back to World War II with Hitler, they went after the kids. Yep. You know, you look at what's happening in our school systems, they're going after the, the kids. kids. And, and, and it's almost repulsive because, well, not almost, it is repulsive because you have teachers that are in places of authority who are living these lives that they're free to live as an adult. But they're almost using children as as like uh, some sort of valid validation. Like they're almost trying to get children to accept their lifestyle in order for them to feel validated. And they're using kids as human shields. Like that's why you're seeing these little children exposed to pornography. Like they're not even thinking that way. Like you're not even looking. Like you don't even th- like I, I have 14. I have 12. I have five. I have two. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Your children are not thinking in those in those avenues, you know, and when you're a five-year-old, when you're in kindergarten, yet these things are being just ramrodded through the school system, and it's going after our children. I was told yesterday that um, there was, I think, close to 200 people in this high school that are transitioning. It's L.A. Yeah, it's in L.A. Yeah. And, and not only that, they said that it's the parents, the parents' pressure on them. Like it's almost like, you know, like, yeah, like the sports dad or sports mom that's like they're living through their kid like, you know, that's my kid, number one, you know, soccer player or, you know, whatever. But they're the parents are almost like, like, yes, I'm the parent. Look at me. I'm so open and I'm I'm so proud of my kid. And they're putting the pressure on these kids to to transition and go through the, um, you know, the immune, immune, what's it called? The uh, puberty blockers and all that stuff. And they said it's the pressure of the teachers and the parents that are pushing this on these kids. It's so sad. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan, there is this uh, this camp I was at this last weekend. There was this girl that uh, came up to that came up to me, and she had, like, very bright makeup on with these, like, kind of cat ear things. And I just knew that I was like, this girl's just putting on, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she came, and, you know, I had my whosoever shirt on, and she just was like, oh, so do you guys just, like, tell people about Jesus? And I'm thinking, like, you're at, like, an Awana camp, you know? And I just knew that she was struggling. So I was at this table during their free time, you know, answering questions for the kids and how they could share their faith with people in their world. And she came up to me and I was like, oh man, I, was, I honestly, when she, I saw her approach me, I was like, not this one, dude. I'm yeah. like, have her talk to someone else. But, um, as she started talking to me, you know, she was saying, you know, she like grew up in the church, you know, and she's like half Chinese and her dad's like a white dude. And she's like, you know, well, I don't, she's like, I don't know how I feel about all of this. And I said, well, what do you mean? And this girl, I think was probably 14 or 15, maybe 16. She said, well, 
I don't know if I really like want to follow this right now because I want to live the life that I want to live. And I said, well, what is that? And she said, well, I want to express myself. And I was, and I said, well, in what way? She said, well, I just want to have, you know, creative freedom. And I said, well, dude, I'm colorful. And, you know, the Mona Lisa cannot discover who she is apart from Leonardo da Vinci. You cannot discover who you are apart from Christ, you know, apart from your creator. And she said, well, I also have this guy that, you know, I want to date and he's a non-Christian. And I said, well, what does the Bible say about that? She's like, well, I know what the Bible says. And so I, and I just knew, I don't really get into debates with people very often, but the Lord was like, Christina, you need to make the reality of heaven and hell real to this girl. Mm -hmm. So I just looked at her and I said, if you were to die today and meet your creator, will he let you into his house? Like, will you go to heaven? And she said, well, I'm going to like wait till college to get right with Jesus. And I said, well, the Bible says that we're not promised tomorrow. So if you were to die today and you were to stand before the Lord at the pearly gates, and if you were to look through his guest list, right, which is the Lamb's Book of Life, will your name be written there? Because if your name's not on that list, you're not going to be invited into the party. And he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Mm -hmm. And I said, I knew people in high school that passed away because of illness or car accidents or whatever. And so I said, you cannot wait you know, until you're in college because you could die today and you could meet your creator. I was like, even in my house, I don't let people into my house. I don't know. So the Lord's not going to let people into his house that he doesn't know. And so when I made the reality of heaven and hell real to this girl, she literally had like the fear of God in her eyes. And it really was the fear of God. And she, you know, she grew up in a Christian home and I just looked at her and I said, girlfriend, you're at this camp this weekend. You need to get your heart right before the Lord because it's going to be a sad day if you meet your creator sometime soon. And or, or if we get raptured and you're the only one left, mm-hmm. like you're going to regret. I said, why? Because you want to find yourself or you want to date someone that's non-Christian. And I explained to her some of my friend's stories. I said, they they experience the world and it's a dead end. Mm-hmm. So heaven and hell, girlfriend, it's you and Jesus in the end, not you and your boyfriend or you and like all of this. You will be naked before the Lord and it's you and Christ. And so when I think when you make the reality of heaven and hell real, mm-hmm. And you, and especially to the ones that grew up in the church, because they're like, oh, you know, they're one foot in, one foot out. That is, and the fear of God, that's when it becomes real for people. So. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, it's heavy. I mean, like, to both of your points, like, if you're a parent here or if you're a young person here, the, 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 the goal of the enemy is to seek and destroy, to kill, to rob, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And every agenda, whether it's abortion, whether it's the homosexual agenda, whether it's um, all the other things, that Drugs, whatever, drinking. it's it's all hitting children because that that is, that is that's the goal to destroy the next generation. That is the goal of the enemy. That is the goal of all of his devices. You look at it. We, you were talking about World War II, but, but as well as in the time of Christ, kill all the children under two, right? You look at Moses, kill all those children too. And so the enemy knows, I think the enemy knows the potential of a child. You know, you, you, look, at the, you look at a child and they're like, they're like a blank canvas and you invest into them and you i think that's the fear of like a christian parent like you spend your whole life investing into this blank canvas and giving them truth and then you got the world the flesh and the devil that you know that they're gonna have to compete with and we just have to trust that our children were called for such a time as this but to the parents that i just want to speak to for a moment um you can't be checked out right now you're never going to be a we're never going to be perfect parents like we blow it daily you know we're never going to be perfect but the only hope that you have is to, to protect your children from this world and to invest truth in them so that they are equipped to fight this battle themselves. And so know that. Know every agenda that, that masquerades in love and masquerades itself in light, behind it is demonic and it wants to destroy your child and your family. 100%. Hey, hey I gotta, I gotta, can I add something just real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Because with all this stuff, and I think Christina hit the nail on the head, like she was sharing biblical truth. Wade was saying, speak truth into your kids. And all that we see happening in the world today, I mean, isn't it true? Hey, speak your truth. Hey, what's your truth? What's your truth? Do what you want to do. And really what it comes down to, and I think we need to not forget this, that if our truth is not God's truth, then it's Satan's lie. And that's it, period. So with all this stuff going on, hey, do what you want. Every man does what's right in his own eyes. What's your truth might not be true for them. No, listen, there's one truth, 
There's one way, mm-hmm. and it's through Jesus Christ. And so the parents and the the influencers that are pulling it, you know, pouring that into the kids, that's so important. Mm-hmm. It's so important. So it's not your truth; it's God's truth. Okay, in the Bible, if it says not to discriminate, why do people discriminate against gays? Well, we don't. We uh, Jesus loved everyone. You know that it goes back to that verse, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, everyone in between, from bums to presidents, that believe, will not die but have everlasting life. And it says in John three seventeen, God didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. So what we've been addressing is don't go after, don't mess with the kids. Everyone has a free choice to live however they want, right? I mean, <laughs> what, about, what about the guy that's married and – see, because we look at sin as sin. But what about the guy that's married that is constantly just watching porn? He's constantly just cheating on his wife. Mm. You know, she's – there's no relationship there because he's, his whole relationship, he's in love with whatever he's seen on the screen. And then she's just a sex, you know, object for him to act out what he's seen on TV. That's basically how that whole transaction happens. So sin is sin, but that's the good news is Jesus has come to set the captives free. So there should not be any discrimination against anyone. Actually, when you look at Jesus, he was with the sinners. The religious leaders were like, why does he hang out with such scum? Only if he knew who he was hanging out with. Oh, he knew who he was hanging out with. That's who he came to, to save. So what does the Bible say about homosexual? We got all these um, gay and homosexual questions tonight. Uh, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? And why is the church today becoming much more accepting towards it? Okay, so there's the two, two questions that are in the opposite direction. Um, there are some churches. Um, well, man, I saw in the news there was like a Lutheran. There was a Lutheran LGBTQ priest and then something sketchy happened with him, and then he got booted out of the church. It was some, some like, pedophilia stuff. I um, saw that recently in the news. But there are some other churches that you would think that are Bible-believing churches that are now, um, they're, they're, they're saying, they're, they're allowing them on staff. Yeah, or, they're caving to the culture, man. They're caving to the culture, caving right? to the culture. It's all numbers, so they're, they're, It's a number game. They're not, they're not sticking to the Bible. No, because if you really love people, you deal with sin. Right. Like you said, sin is sin, and like you, we, you deal with sin, and we know like the end result of that sin, the wages of sin is death. You know, mm-hmm. When sin is full grown, it brings forth death. And so um, it's not that there's judgment, but what does the Bible say about homosexuality? The Bible says that homosexuality is a sin, and the Bible says that no homosexual will inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, read Romans 1, verses 18 through 32. Uh, read Galatians chapter 5. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6. Um, but it also says, too, it's, the word's not, it's not just homosexual. It's any drunkard. Yeah, and it, idolater. Homose- that's the thing about homosexuality. It's homose- like a group. It's in a, it's in a list, it's a list. Of, of these sins. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I think it's such a touchy subject right now. People want to cave to this, but like, the truth. We live in a generation. Everyone's offended by everything. Yeah, you know, that's and true. Like, truth. The truth. The truth will offend you. And I was think when I got saved, I was thankful for that because it made everything so cut and dry to me, and um, it, it put everyone on a level playing field. So my sin wasn't any worse than anyone else's sin. But um, we were talking about the homosexual agenda prior to the show, and just like it's 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 morphing into this agenda and pushing it down the throats of children. Yeah. And that's when you draw the line on another level. But, but and it, yeah. that's exactly where it, you draw the line. It's like, why are you going? Kids are they're in development mode. You know, they don't need to be sexualized or talked about. I mean, they yeah, just need to be crazy. kids. Like, let's just use common sense here, guys. Just let kids be kids. They don't need to see strip club drag queens. They don't need to be see. They don't need to be. They have to be gay parades. They better yet, they don't even need to be in a strip club. Mm. Or at any parade with half-naked people. 
Yeah. I don't care. A straight parade. Yeah, and more and more. <laughs> a nudist colony. <laughs> don't put them at a nudist colony. Yeah, and more and more of these <laughs> these drag queens are getting arrested for pedophilia and having child porn and all this kind of stuff. And they're bringing them right into the schools. They're bringing them right into little children's classrooms. And it's a perversion. You know, but in the church, you know, it says in Second Timothy four, the times coming when people will not endure sound teaching, mm-hmm. but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And that's what it comes down to. You have people that are going to go to a church that's going to tell them what they want to hear. They're not going to tell them what the Bible says, what they need to hear. They're going to just say, hey, tell me what I want to what I want to affirm me in my lifestyle. And that's not helping anyone. Nope. You know, it's hurting them in the long run, as we know. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan, just to add to that, you I mean, you know that that's a part of my story of, you know, you know, just as a young girl, you know, being a product of, you know, uh, sexual abuse and was forced to watch pornography as a kid. And and because of that, you know, I struggled with my confusion until I was 14 years old, you know. But if I would have struggled with that in today's world and if the church wouldn't have addressed it, I would have had the validate like basically the world is validating the confusion. Right. And if I was a teenager growing up in today's world at the age of 13, 14, mm-hmm. they would have said Christina like it's okay you can be a boy. I remember being 12 years old and wanting to like play football in high school and wanting to shave the back of my head because I believed that I was just like a tomboy, you know what I'm saying? And and you know, hated girly things, you know, because of, you know, my abuser was a woman and it just was this whole vicious cycle, but really the enemy was using, you know, the enemy used my trauma to strip me of my worth of, of being a daughter of God. And I truly remember sitting in that confusion and the Lord bringing clarity to me through his word. And it was because I chose to be in the word and it was really God's word that restored my mind, you know, at the age of 14. And, and it really wasn't even because they were addressing it in church because at the time they weren't. It yeah. was because I read God's word and it was honestly through Romans chapter one that I found the truth where it literally says in Romans uh, chapter one, verse 26, you know, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for women exchanged natural relations to those who are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men receiving in themselves due penalty for their error and you know my abuser is now living a full-blown homosexual lifestyle and the lord revealed that to me you know as a as a young teenager that the person that did this to me is a homosexual but i'm not a product of that and the lord really did make what was crooked straight in my life and i haven't struggled with that since i was 14 by the grace of god and and i truly believe that it's going to be god's word and his truth alone that's going to restore the confusion of this generation because he did that for me and truly, like, the church has to be willing to to not be afraid to touch this topic because this generation is confused. And most of these kids that are struggling with their confusion or their sexual identity have been abused, don't have a mom or dad in the picture. Mm-hmm. Was it, you know, they were exposed to gay porn and if or something. And if the church is so afraid to touch this topic, we're going to grow up with the generation who is so confused. And if God didn't touch my life at at a young age, man, who knows who, what, where, when, and why I would be. I would be they, them, their, that, you know. Thou shalt not. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And I I do want to chime in because even if, like, when you, if you come out of homosexuality or whatever it is, drugs, alcohol, whatever it, whatever you come out, or maybe you just, like, sleep with a bunch of girls and you're a guy or whatever it is that the enemy has, has, you know, deceived you with, um, you won't he's always going to come back to tempt you okay so i don't like for instance drugs was my thing right or porn right too because like you know sex and, and seeing stuff so i don't struggle with wanting to go back but the enemy will bring little they're called fiery darts you shoot these little fiery thought these thoughts into your mind or you see something that could trigger that open your mind to that and that's not mean your struggle. It means the enemy is trying to entice you with it, mm-hmm. right? So um, if you have come out of homosexuality, whatever, remember the enemy is always going to try to get you off course with something to get your mind back on it. But it doesn't mean you're struggling with it. It just means that the enemy is trying to get you, you know? Mm-hmm. So because so, people think, oh, well, I came out of it, but, 
you know, I get a thought, you know, here and there, you know, I'm, I must be still struggling. It's like, no, it's like the enemy's he's going to come at you with certain things, you know, to get you off course, to get you back into that. It doesn't mean you're struggling. It's just it's a fiery dart. It's a fiery dart. And it's been said, hey, when those thoughts come in your head, mm-hmm. don't claim them. They're not your own. Yeah. They're fiery darts from the wicked one. The Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, all has been made new. Mm-hmm. I like that. Fiery darts from the wicked one. Very true. Great <coughs> illustration of Satan. Okay. Here's a, here's a uh, question about a book. What's the best book for an atheist to read? Mr. Beeler. Yeah, I actually uh, picked three. Okay, good. And, you know, for your, your audience, yeah. uh, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel mm-hmm. is excellent. Excellent. Uh, Norman Geisler, who's kind of like an original gangster theologian, he, is. he wrote this book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Mm. That's number two. And then thirdly, um, a book called There Is a God by Anthony Flew. But the subtitle, it's F-L-E-W, but the subtitle is How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind. So that would be my top three uh, books for atheists. Awesome. Make sure you text those to me. I will. All right. Radical. Okay. So uh, was the Bible um, – uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me see. I'm going to go to this next one. Uh, when did Jesus find out who he is? What? Let me see. Hold on. He's typing. <laughs> hold on. Don't type. I can't read the question. Okay. When did Jesus find out who he was and did he always know that he was God? So when did he find out who he was? Well, we know that he's the part of the Elohim in the beginning. Yeah. Jesus always knew who he was. Mm -hmm. He was actually the creator of the universe. In Mm -hmm. Thessalonians, it says, by Jesus, all things consist Mm -hmm. or are held together. But then you look back. Do you remember when his parents lost him? Remember? Yeah. yeah, He was like, and and he says, I must be about my father's business. Mm -hmm. He wasn't talking or referring to his earthly father, Joseph. He was in the temple. Uh, So I I, I would say that Jesus always knew who he was. He always knew what his calling was. It wasn't just something that was, you know, revealed Mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. uh, Because even at uh, 12 years of age or so, he was speaking with the religious leaders in the temple and telling his mom and dad, hey, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? So he was about his father's business. Mm -hmm. And uh, over and over again in the scriptures, he told his disciples why he was there, Mm -hmm. that he was going to lay down his life. He was going to take it up again. So I think it was pretty clear uh, why he was sent. Was the Bible always accessible to the Jews when Jesus was alive? Yeah, I mean, you had the, you had the Torah, you had the Psalms, you had the prophets. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a great example of that would be like the Gospel of Matthew mm-hmm. and how many times the Lord himself would pull from the prophets or would pull from the Torah or would pull from the Psalms to affirm who he was or what he was teaching. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there, um, the Gospels and the, the epistles uh, weren't written, but he did have uh, the Old Testament, and that's what he would do. That's what he would read when he was uh, when he was here on planet Earth doing his uh, three-year public ministry. We have the same Old Testament. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's what I love about the Bible is uh, you know it's it's very important to not just read the New Testament. Like if you're a new Christian, we always tell people go read the Gospel of John, or I just tell people you know read John and then. Uh, Mark, Luke, and then go back to, to Matthew or, or whatever. Just read the Gospels, the four Gospels first, and read those over and over so you could know who Jesus is. But then, you know, finish the New Testament and then go back to the beginning, to Genesis, and then read through it. I remember when Brian Deegan got saved, someone gave him the Bible and go, and they go, hey, uh, read in the, right here in the New Testament. He's like, wait, this is a new book. Why am I starting at the back? <laughs> but it's because you want to learn about Jesus. But then the whole Old Testament talks about who Jesus was and has the prophecies and Jesus is, is shown in the Old Testament. He, he reveals himself through, through it, but it's the whole Bible together, which is the inherent word of God. All right, we're going to go to break. Uh, I have Christina, Wade, and Garrett in studio. If you want to catch more shows with them and uh, several other guests, interviews and more questions and answers, go to YouTube, click on uh, Ryan Reese channel, click on it. You'll get all the past shows. Subscribe there and go to the Whosoever's. We have a bunch of films. We have, what do we have? We have the Full Send film, which is our tour in Montana. Um, actually, Idaho. Then we have the Unbelievable tour that just came out when we went to uh, Montana for Suicide Prevention Month. That was an awesome tour. Guest, guest appearance from Sonny Sandoval from POD. He was like, uh, 
um, uh, uh, Inspector, uh, what's the one, Sherlock Holmes on the trip because he heard about all all these radical things that God is doing on this trip, so he came out to see if it was uh, true. He believed and God did something really radical, started revival in that guy's life um, once again, you know. And uh, anyway, you can go check that out there and uh, all the other films that we have out in past radio shows. So we'll be back in two minutes, and we're going to continue these questions. Peace. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Over the past four years, an astounding 51,000 students from seven states, five countries, and 183 schools have responded to the gospel message because of the Whosoever's Kill the Noise Tour. A 15-year-old living in today's world gathers as much information in one day as a 15-year-old 80 years ago would have gathered in one full year. Do you realize the youth suicide rate is at an all-time high? Listen, in the next 24 hours in the USA alone, 1,439 teens will attempt suicide. Every 100 minutes, a teen takes their own life. 2,795 teenage girls will become pregnant and 15,006 teens will use drugs for the first time. The increasing amount of noise bombarding our students daily is destroying their minds and souls at an alarming rate. For this reason, the Whosoever's Kill the Noise Tour is a necessity. We are at the Kill the Noise Tour. We're in California right now and it's about to pop off. We're getting everyone ready. We're going to pray. And then uh, basically the event's going to start and we're going to see all kinds of kids come to the Lord. It's going to be sick. as many students as we possibly can with the message of the gospel. This is no easy task. We need kingdom builders like you to join us in this battle against the ever-increasing noise that surrounds the lives of these students. Please consider helping us expand this mission by partnering with the Whosoever's Kill the Noise Tour. Thank you for empowering future generations with us. We are back. I got Christina, Wade, and Garrett Beeler in studio. Okay, check this out. We're going to continue these questions going. You know, the first uh, half was uh, pretty gnarly, but you know what? We got we to gotta talk about what's going on. People need clarity, and they want to know what the Bible says, and they want to know what we believe. We believe what the Bible says, and we love people. I, I, we were just talking at the break, and, you know, we just truly believe that this world— is in a very hurt, hurting place, and people are trying to mask what's going on internally. And we're going to see the side effects of, of it's not about the transgender, it's not about the homosexual community, it's just the side effects of the programming and what people are buying into. It's all about the heart, what's going to happen later on. And, and they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of side effects, 
and um, people are truly broken and they desperately need Jesus. Why do I know that? Because I was broken. I was jacked up. Christina, broken. Wade, I know his story, yeah. broken. And yeah. I know that you had we an encounter. Where, I mean, we yeah, there was all it. brokenness either yeah. either way through. through. Yeah. I mean, you guys were into sports and, and did great in your, your career in sports. Christina and I were, were you know, into the, you know, drugs and and she was into the homosexual community so we all come from and that's what's so awesome this this uh this monthly crew of of people coming from all different walks of life but at the end of the day we were broken but god broke through Mm. he changed our life he set us free and gave us the identity in him and now we're living in freedom with peace and joy and hope and that's what life is all about so we're just going to continue to to bring truth to you guys so the next question is jesus my jesus is my lord he's my savior and has been for years do I still need to be baptized to be saved? This is a question. When you go travel to different churches around the nation and the world, some say that you are not saved. Um, I'll even go one one more thing. is You're not saved if you don't speak in tongues, or you're not saved if you aren't water baptized. Right. Can we just address both of those? Sure. Uh, that hit home really close to me when I was doing Monday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, a church, and you know you don't need to throw names out, but there's a just they believe it. It's on their sta- on their mission statement. Mm-hmm. But the Church of Christ believes that if you're not baptized, you're not saved. Right. And so I would get people calling me from that church saying, "Hey, you're leading these people to the Lord, but you're not telling them that they're they need to get baptized to be saved." And so I just asked them this question: mm-hmm. Say somebody gives their life to the Lord, and they're on their way to the baptism. God forbid they get in a car accident and they're killed. Are they going to heaven or are they going to hell? And right there, they start going, well, uh, well, it's because by grace you've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the Bible doesn't say that you have to work or be baptized to be saved. Faith in Jesus saves you. What about the guy on the cross? And that's it. What's that? What about the guy that believed in Jesus? Yeah, yeah what the about cross? the Yeah, today you'll be with me in paradise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't yeah. kind of nacho libre dunk his head real quick and then, uh, you know, okay, you're good. That kind of thing. Hey, that, that is a good one, though. What if they're driving to go get baptized? Yeah. Yeah, then what? Because all they, all they have is faith in Jesus. What happens then? Yeah, it's not good enough? Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good one. And then what about uh, being, uh, one more thing, being baptized in tongues? Yeah. Okay, do, you have to be, uh, do you have to have tongues to be saved? No, I think... Tongues is not the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think that, that's a false teaching as well. And that, that leads a lot of people into, like, crazy bondage as well, you know. That makes a lot of people start faking, faking, faking the, the funk. funk. <laughs> start showing up and everyone's like, ah! Yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. My kids well, must exactly. be baptized with tongues. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are at work in the church today. Yep. And the Bible yeah. specifically says that the Holy Spirit gives to each one as he sees fit. Mm-hmm. And so somebody may have a gift that is for this particular task or this particular time that somebody else may not have, but it's safe to say that every believer who has faith in Jesus has the ability to utilize any of the gifts as the Holy Spirit deems best. There if that it makes is. sense. Yep. Okay, next one. Why do Christians use the sign of the cross as a symbol? First, it's a torture device. This is true. And second... We're told not to have any symbols, statues, uh, you know, idols, but uh, to worship Jesus only. So why do people use the sign of the cross as a, uh, as a symbol? What did you say before the show, Garrett? You brought something up in regards to this about it's not like we don't worship the image of the cross. Right. Well, as a Christian, if I wore a cross or if I had a cross, I'm, I'm, I'm not praying to that cross. Yeah. I'm not, not worshiping that cross. Uh, that that cross doesn't mean anything to me as far as you know it being a, a deity or or anything like that. All it is is it serves as a reminder of what mm-hmm. Jesus did for me. Uh, the Bible says, "Cursed is any man who hangs on a tree." Jesus became our curse by hanging on that tree. He paid the price for my sin, and so I'm reminded of that. But I'm not worshiping it. Mm-hmm. It's a memento for me. It's something that causes me to remember what Jesus did. Uh, I should have been on that. On that mm-hmm. cross, but he took my place. It's actually a good reminder. I mean, I don't wear crosses or anything like that. I'm nothing against them, but it's actually a really good reminder when you know what happened. He got spit on. Mm-hmm. He got murdered. He took the sins away from the world. He died. You know, it's a great right. reminder of uh, yeah. 
what he did. And then, but you see people like in movies, though, like they'll hold the crucifix like that. There's power there. You know, like we've dealt with demon possessed people. We know that it's not an object. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that sets people free. But, you know, I think it's become, you know, part of Hollywood where you're doing this and you're doing that. Like there's power in this. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The power is in the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Okay. Aside from God, did you have any other help overcoming addictions? Um, man, addictions could be so many different things, but I mean, I think they're obviously talking about drugs and alcohol. You know, some people need to want the the the, the, uh, the different steps. Like some people go to um, AA, and 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 you know, there's U-turn for Christ, there's Teen Challenge, which is awesome. Um, some people need to go there because I think they just need to break the routine. You know, they can't get away from uh, the bad company, right? They just keep getting drawn to it. So some people some people need to go through that. I I was. One of the ones that basically just said, dude, I'm done. I'm over. I'm giving my life to you. And I just went all in and, and God touched my life. But there are there are a lot of – we have like New Thirst here. You you smoke at New Thirst a lot, right? I, in the past, I, I spoke a few times. But we all have dealt with people that struggle yeah. with various addictions. And I've had family members that have dealt with various addictions. And one thing we always like um, like we'll bring up to them, are, are you done? You know, Because you know inside – like, am I really right. done with this? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's been plenty of times where you've said you are, but you know inside of you, you're, you're not done. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we'll help, we'll help aid them along the way, but it, it has to come just this moment of, of genuine, genuine surrender and relying upon the Lord. I'm not going I've helped a very close family member of mine detox and just, it was brutal, man. So I'm not going to act like those things don't don't yeah. happen. You know, like yeah. that's that. He almost died multiple times. Um, well, there's the detox. That's yeah, something where you're physically sure. where you're yeah. physically addicted. But then there's the majority. They're not. They don't have to detox. You know, they're just they like to using drugs. I've heard Sean talk about it too. It's not just the drug. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's like getting out of the lifestyle is a challenge too. Yeah. You know, I have a family member. Same thing. Like he'll detox. He'll go to rehab. But he just sucked back into that 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 mindset, that way of living. And I'm like, dang, dude, like, give it up. Wouldn't you say it's the friends that you associate with your circle? Yeah. You know, the don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. I yeah. mean, I remember going into clubs, grabbing people out of there, going over to their houses, pouring all their liquor down the drain. You know, sometimes it takes having some good friends that will yeah. look out for you, that will help you in your walk with the Lord. Because, I mean. Face it, the world's always going to be like, hey, welcome back. Where have you been? Yeah. And you can yeah. always go back, mm-hmm. always. But the good friends, will they'll fight for you, and they'll help you through it. But I could tell you right now that the, the main thing is really just getting real with God. You know, and, and anything in your life, any, anything that you need help with in your life, you know, whether it's marriage, addiction, um, just even like growing in a, in a closer relationship with them, whatever it is, you just – you just go to God and get real with him and he'll get real with you and just ask him for his help and he won't push you away. He'll, he'll, he'll give you help, but you got to seek him and you will, you will find him. Okay. So this next question says, I need advice on how to navigate through my unequally yoked marriage. Now you guys have done tons of marriage counseling. So I'm going to let you guys unload on this one because there's a lot of people that are married that are not married to a Christian person. I think the Bible does give some really good, you know, whether it's First Corinthians seven or First Peter three. You know, you're if you're, I'll just say this to a wife, or I mean, or a husband. Your spouse is is your mission field, and that that's the hardest thing to go home and, and to not have peace in the home, or to even uh, the person who's mocking your faith the most is is your spouse. That that's hard, and it's not easy. Uh, and as a wife, it's not easy to submit in certain areas to that and go through challenges that you're going to go through um but it's going to take an extreme commitment to like your focus being the salvation of your spouse and and knowing that like you're going to play a huge role in that and that's going to be the hardest thing that that you've ever gone through so when you we gotta we gotta remove the the veil a little bit of the enemy and realize your spouse is not your enemy satan's your enemy um and realize the battle's spiritual and you, you can't give up and it's a very discouraging thing especially in raising children and that that the i'm not going to sit here and say that the battle doesn't have crazy roads that it, that it goes down um but there's got to be a focus of realizing the battle is not with your spouse the battle is with your enemy and the focus of your life needs to be the salvation of your spouse which means your way your conduct changes 
you're serving that person. You're, you're looking at them through the eyes of Christ. A lot of death to self needs to take place. So um, I think we could say a lot. I mean, Garrett, what do you have to say? Yeah, well, in a previous previous show christina referenced that that girl that you spoke to up at that camp and it's like oh i was born you know i was raised in the church because you can hit that unequally yoked in different stages you could be mm-hmm. a single person here today oh, and maybe yeah. you're just so desperate you know to be in a relationship with someone and then all of a sudden you know your eye catches this person you know they're not saved but you know maybe i could work it out maybe i could bring them to church uh, you know, we call it missionary dating. Uh, you know, maybe if they, if I can get them saved, then that will be okay. And you know, if you're a single person out there, listen. As real as you are, God has created a real person for you that you don't have to compromise your relationship with the Lord for. You know, because the only thing worse I would say than being by yourself and as challenging as that can be, because I remember that before I was married, is being with the wrong person. The yeah. wrong person. Yeah. There's so many people that say, well, you know what? I'm an exception to the rule. You know, I'll work this out. Or he's a good guy or she's a really good girl. And then you get married and then Wade touched on it. You start having kids and you are on divergent paths. Yeah. You are going in the opposite direction. And then your kids are now going to be divided. You're divided. And then the way that it you know, rolls itself out, it's never, ever good. Yeah. I mean, think ever about let's, let's talk about some of these divides that, that could happen like. So, like, you get married, and then what if your wife is, say, an, a- is an atheist? So now, as your kid's growing, and you as a Christian, you want to be teaching your kid about the Bible and, Christ- and, and Christianity and Jesus and, and this whole lifestyle. And if your, your mate is an atheist, then they're going to be indoctrinating with the opposite. Like, just think about how, how that could go sideways so bad. You know what I mean? And I know like even like as you're growing, you're raising kids and the one thing that, you know, having as you're married you're with your wife and your husband, the one thing at the end of the day is you can agree on when you're in a disagreement is what the Bible says. Because you could be at odds yeah. with whatever, any any kind of subject. Say you're at odds. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you could always revert back to like, okay, well, what does the Bible say? And the Bible put whoever in check, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, mostly it's, it's you know, it could be the guy just being you know, out of line and. Yeah, mostly it's the husband. And it's me. Yeah, I'm the guy. So I'm like, okay, well, this is what the Bible says. So I'm sorry. Yeah. But if it's not, you know, it's if you don't have the Bible, then that could just keep dividing the relationship more and more, and you could be at odds. And mm-hmm. man, what are some other? What are yeah, some I mean, other I've, things? I've seen the the unbelieving or the believing spouse be the greatest hindrance to the unbelieving spouse getting saved. Really? Yeah, because. I, I, like again, I get it. It's hard, but you'll have someone walk in, and all I need is my my spouse to get saved, and that'll. Sit. But you're you're beating the dude constantly, or vice versa, verbally, and you're not being a testimony in your home, mm-hmm. and you're not taking up your cross, and like you walked into this marriage, or you got saved, and your spouse didn't get saved. That's why I say like that. That is the focus of your life. Your conduct matters. First Peter three talks about that. You. You have to conduct yourself in a way that is befitting your salvation that will cause your spouse to say, there, there's a peace in her or in him that I don't have. And a lot of times that brings conviction, right? And so you just, again, you, it's this unrelenting life of prayer and a commitment to the salvation of your spouse, which will change the way you conduct your life in the home. And you, you have to, you have to. But I see, see a lot of people who say, I want my spouse to be saved. I want my spouse to be saved. And then their spouse comes in who's an unbeliever and they just, I end up talking to them or they walk in here and talk to a pastor. And it's like, what you guys see here is not what I get at home. Right. I don't want to have anything to do with this because she's one way here. He's one way here. And then when they get home, they're, they're just a totally different person. Mm-hmm. So it's consist- consistency's got to be key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. You, uh, what about you? Talking to any... Or what have you seen in, in marriages with uh, marrying an unbeliever? Yeah, well, I, I, um, it, it reminds me of, of this uh, article that I read years ago. Uh, it was a linguistics conference. And basically, I forget the guy's name. I think he was uh, from India. I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, but he, he was tasked with defining the difference between the words finished and complete. Mm-hmm. Like they were just so similar. Mm-hmm. And so he used this analogy and it always stuck with me. I think that's why I can remember it even to this day. He says, well, if you marry the right woman, you're complete. If you marry the wrong woman, you're finished. 
And if the right woman catches you with the wrong woman, you're completely finished. And uh, I'll never forget that. And I thought, you know, that's absolutely true. Uh, when you're seeking the Lord and you desire to be married, you don't want second best. You don't want the counterfeit. You want the real deal. Somebody that, that loves the Lord more than they would ever love you so that your heart safely trusts them because you know that their commitment with the Lord is the very thing that enables a good yeah. relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. Mm-hmm. And when people decide to not do it the way God says like this is my plan for marriage and they do it their own way then you're left with just uh, uh, such a mess and it's such a hard thing however god can redeem it Mm -hmm. and it's not to say let me go into it because god can redeem it you want to obey what god's called you to do but in husbands and wives in that marital you know dynamic when there's one that's saved one that's not Mm -hmm. it's usually a christian who's compromised what they believed Mm -hmm. And they went against what the Lord told them to do, and now they're trying to catch up, you know, and mm-hmm. trying to trying to work that out. So I would say, if it's possible, bring your kids to church, go to church. If your spouse who is not believing will go with you, go. Yeah, uh, have them go with you. If they say no, I'm not going, then you take your kids. You go. You be that example, and just continue to pray because sometimes, like Wade was saying, you can beat the living daylights out of the spouse spiritually that's not saved. That's not how somebody's heart's going to change. It's going to be the Holy Spirit convicting them. And so you can pray, you can love, you can be a good example. And uh, the Lord we've seen even redeem the worst-case situations. Yeah, you were talking about Lee Strobel earlier? Yeah. Um, I I think it was his movie, because I didn't read the book. It was probably the movie, but I think, uh, or maybe I heard him on the radio talking, and he was saying that, his wife found the Lord, and then he just watched his wife. Like in the morning, get up, and she'd be praying next to the bed, you know, next to the bed. And then he just saw the change in her life. And then that was attractive to him. Mm. And then he's like, okay, is this, is this whole thing real? Is there a Christ? Because I've seen a dramatic change in my wife's life for the good, obviously. And that attracted him to, you know, we know the story. He built a case on Christ to prove that he wasn't real he was an attorney and he ended up finding out that he was a real person and he did what he said he did but definitely that's that's what's um not pushing she wasn't going after him and beating him down with with the gospel and stuff but she just lived her life and she lived as a christian and he saw the transformation and it was attractive and that's Hmm. the way it should be and that should not only just for your spouse but that should be even for our friends people should see your life from afar and be like, wow, something did change. You know, like I know that's like a lot of our friends, your friends from previous, all, actually all of our friends have seen our life yeah. change. Like our friend Chongo, we, we always bring his name up in, in radio shows because Sean McKeon, you know, when if you would have known him from before, he was on Crystal Meth a lot, smoked weed and drinking and he was just out of, he couldn't speak English too well. And, uh, since he's been saved in the transformation process and now seeing him teaching Bible school and, and you know, yeah. teaching messages and just the, the whole transition of his life, Chongo is not a Christian at all, but he goes, I believe there's a God and he's real mm-hmm. because of what happened with Sean's life. Just his, him being you know, yeah. the, trans, the, the transformation process. That's so cool. that is a testimony. And that's what happened with Lee Strobel's life. You know, he saw the... Uh, mm-hmm. Saw the change. Okay, so uh, the next question is, if Jesus is all-knowing, why did he allow Judas to join the squad if he knew the outcome was going to be what it was? Why did, Ju- why did Jesus have Judas stealing money and having a love for money being in, in the squad? Why did he allow him? Knowing that he was going to just, you know, d- you know, turn his back mm-hmm. on him and sell him out for money. Mm-hmm. You know, I just truly believe that there, that Judas, you know, Judas was just one of the, you know, 12 disciples back then, but how many more Judases do we see in the church now and in the culture now? And, you know, even Judas then, it's, I mean, I believe that the Lord in his sovereignty allowed it, because even when you see Jesus washing the feet of the disciples before he went to the cross, you know, like the last act, like he knew that this man was going to sell him out, like he knew what was going to happen, but he washed the feet of the person that would betray him the most. And I just believe that that's such a picture of forgiveness, you know, like that was the same picture that the God, that the Lord used to speak to me, you know, when I, 
you know, went through a lot of stuff in 2019 and I was forced to live, you know, with the family member that, you know, sexually abused me growing up because they just got out of prison and it was this whole thing. And there was a night this family member got back from a party vomiting everywhere and the Lord spoke to me and said, will you wash the feet of Judas tonight? So I went, I bathed this family member, got them into bed, cleaned everything up, did their laundry the next day. They didn't remember anything. But in that moment was when true forgiveness took place. And so if Jesus never would have invited Judas in, you know, and washed his feet. Like, I don't know if I ever would have had that moment personally in my life because forgiveness really does set you free. And it was in that moment that I, I believe the Lord invited me into that moment when he washed the feet of Judas, that when you choose to love the people that hurt you the most and forgive the people that hurt you the most is when you will most, that you will the most like experience Christ, you know, like in your life and through you. Um, even there's like the story of that woman, you know, um, who like through the Holocaust, I forgot her name, but she, yeah, that she, you know, you, you hear that story where the officer that she saw, you know, like rape and kill her mother, you know, and her sisters came up to her on a speaking engagement and said, I'm the officer that did that to you. Well, to your, you know, they, he literally had Nazi Germany raped and killed her, you know, his mother, her mother and her sisters right in front of her. And he said, I was an officer. Will you please forgive me? And in that moment, she said, yes, I forgive you. Wow. And that's heavy. And that was a Judas that turned, you know, obviously. But, you know, I think God is sovereign. And I think he allowed that to happen to teach us lessons today of really what it means to forgive and really what it means to even go with people the long distance. Because you never know God's heart. I mean, we don't know until we get to heaven. Maybe the Lord had a heart where maybe he wanted Judas to turn in the end. But even up until the point where he knew he was going to betray him, I obviously knew what was going to happen on the other side of him, mm-hmm. he still chose to love him. And so even in our mm-hmm. life, the ones that are hard to love, the mm-hmm. Lord still asks us to wash their feet because mm-hmm. that's what Christ does. Mm-hmm. Also, also, uh, you know, he's in there to give us warnings, <coughs> people in ministry, mm-hmm. that you could have people in ministry yeah. that could look the part, talk the part, be in the studies, be on staff, mm-hmm. and their heart could be far from God. And it's a, a, clearly a warning. You know, someone so close to you that you can get burned and they could sell you out. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that over and over of, of different ministries. So warning and also your illustration. Do you have, any, you have anything to say about that with two minutes left? Long-suffering. Um, the scriptures were fulfilled. Of uh, the Old Testament prophecies, True. but I think that you know what Christina said. I, I believe that the heart of God that if Judas would have come back and said, "God, I've sinned. Will you forgive me?" I believe that it would have been on. Yeah, but we do know that uh, the Lord treated every. I mean, how many times have we betrayed the Lord? Yep. I mean, how many times with a thought or an action or something, and how many times have we sinned? You know, after the Lord's been so good to us, and yet the Lord still loves us, and He's mm-hmm. compassionate. He's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And uh, we see well, that. Well, even with Peter, you know, when he denied him three times, yeah. that, that showed him. Yeah. He, he, he forgave him because there was true repentance, and, yeah. and Judas just didn't have that opportunity. Or he had the opportunity, but he didn't take it. He never repented. But he, he never turned. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. Well, you guys, that, I'm gonna. You know, there's other questions like why does God allow people to get demon possessed, and you know, all kinds of crazy questions. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole another day, another show. Because I know if we open that can up, it could turn into a whole show in itself. But thanks for being on. Um, check out Garrett's church down at uh, Vision Church in in yeah Irvine. Vision City Church, Irvine. I always mess that up. Huh? I'm, I'm bad at that stuff. Uh, get down there. I need to come with my family now that we're uh, down yeah, in California. We need to party at your pool. Pool party at Garrett's house. Okay, what's your address? Can we uh, plug it? 995 Irvine Boulevard. This Sunday after right. church, Garrett's house. Let's go. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Go to uh, YouTube and click on the Whosoever's. Click on Ryan Reese. You will get the radio shows and you'll get the Whosoever's movies. Book us. We are getting calls like crazy for schools. This year, I'm telling you, this year is going to be on a cracking with high schools. And you think about the pulse of what was going on with the students uh, pre-COVID. I mean, it was crazy in the schools. Now coming back with transitioning, coming back from COVID and everything that's going on, the revival is going to break out. I'm excited and I cannot wait. We love you guys. Peace.
This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.